welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue show dedicated to the Chelsea women. It's the international break, so we haven't had a chance to watch Chelsea women, but that does not mean the content stops. Oh no, we are here to look back at the season, how it's gone so far, take your questions and look ahead to some of the games we've coming, got coming up in November and December. I am joined as always by Abdullah. How are you recovering from the Abdullah Jesse cricketing derby that took place this morning? I think if I wasn't already sick from this flu and stomach bug that I've had all weekend, I think I'd just be sick from this. Why do they have to take it so close? It's like the, it's the hope that kills you. It's the gif I've been using all day. Like so close yet so far, but it is what it is. England deserved the win, so I'll put my hands up. Great win. But yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, England won the T20 World Cup this morning, beating Pakistan um, in what was a much tenser game than I thought it was going to end up being. So, uh, yeah, it was quite a quite a stressful watch at points. But Nick Villani, fresh from barbecue brunch, which sounds delicious. How are you doing? That is right. The the boys are all in town. We're doing a little uh, podcast planning for, for 2023. And uh, they flew into my lovely city of Kansas City, and it's about... Uh, zero degrees Celsius uh, here right now. Very cold. And uh, yeah, so we've uh, just kind of drank whiskey to stay warm and, and had some barbecue to, to make it all work. And yeah, it's been a good weekend for sure. Yeah, because famously you don't touch booze when it's like warm. It's only when it drops Absolutely. below a certain, uh, a certain temperature. You, yeah. you guys know me. I'm a teetotaler. <laughs> exactly. I've got you down to a tea there. As I said, we will be looking back at the season so far. So let's kind of kick off with that. So there's been seven WSL games, a couple of Champions League games, mostly wins. In fact, all wins, apart from 1-2-1 defeat to Liverpool. Sitting second in the table. Nick, what have you been making of of these kind of, yeah, first nine nine or so games that we've played? Yeah, I mean, I think the the overwhelming theme that's in my mind is like just upheaval right I mean if it's new squad players that have come in and tried to to fit into the existing structure or unfortunately if it's you know Emma Hayes having an emergency surgery that's kept her off the sidelines for the last you know better part of a month it's just been a lot of change happening but the team has fought through a lot of that adversity you know I think outside of a looking back at it incredibly strange result <laughs> against Liverpool I mean it's just it, I don't know how many times out of 10 that result happens. It's, it might just be the one uh, that, that actually happened. Um, I, I think the team has played relatively well. And, and of, of these matches, the one that really sticks out to me is that 1-0 win in Paris. I think there was a grit and determination that the team showed in a, like a, a bad artificial pitch, pissing down rain, not fun conditions. The team... Uh, barely kind of getting started for the season, but but starting the Champions League group with an incredibly important win against PSG at their spot. So uh, I look back on that. It might be a turning point in the season um, as we as we look at the story of it. Yeah, Abdullah, this season definitely, as Nick kind of alluded to, started off on a bit of a bum note. Liverpool are yet to win another match after that. They really went, OK, one and done. We've beaten the champions. That's enough. But I think we can broadly see this run of games we've had into this international break as, you know, one of gradual improvement moving in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that's been the story of, of Chelsea for a while, right? It's always that slow, gradual uh, move into the season before re they really hit form and, and really strive into, you know, when it really matters and winning game after game after game. And I think that's, again, Chelsea's um, <clears throat> kind of MO this season where obviously they, they, they happen to lose the game to the team that came from, got promoted. They've happened to not won anything after that. And then since then, Chelsea have just gone strength to strength. Um, and kind of, and we touched upon this right in in, in the preview season uh, episode where we talked about the constant changes in system and formation, and Chelsea always starts slow because of those changes in the new players. And I guess that was what it was; it just needed time for the team to kind of come in and get used to what was the new requirements, what were the new system, what new tactics, and let the new players embed it. And now, I think we're starting to see um, Chelsea really start to to kind of settle in. And, and even if they haven't played well in patches, they've got the wins, and I think that's the most important thing. It's been kind of a test and learn, though, right? I mean, th there has been a ton of 
lineup changes and formation changes and a- approaches to games even um you you've almost seen Chelsea revert back to some of like the brilliant counterattacking they did two years ago at times where where they'll suck teams in and then spring a break on them and uh it's just been kind of an interesting look at it Jesse I don't know what your what your thoughts are but I see a team that hasn't quite figured out what their best permutation is yet no definitely and I think they're a lot of factors for that. One is, as we've kind of already touched on, this decision to shift the system around, which I think broadly feels like it is the right decision in terms of what we've managed to get out of players and to show that flexibility on being able to use the back three and being able to use the back four genuinely in a way that I don't think we could last season. But at the same time, obviously, games in this league come thick and fast which is mind-boggling to me really given there's only 12 teams like I don't really understand how it always feels like you're like boom 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 but I think especially because we missed that first week of fixtures and I do think we just we were incredibly unlucky because I think if we play West Ham at Stamford Bridge on the opening day of the season we run through things in a very very different way and that's that just is what it is. But, you know, you only have to look at Manchester City, who also kind of got caught cold and then had to play us for their second game. And suddenly, you know, they're six points behind. So it's it's hard to find the time and space to figure these things out. And I think the most heartening thing is that even if it's not always been pretty, I do feel like in the way we've played, we've seen not only the, the skill level and the kind of tactical awareness, I think, improve, but also just the confidence come back into this team, right, Abdullah? Like, we've just seen players start to be like, oh, yeah, this is the this is who I'm playing with now. Like, I, uh, you know, and it, it must be hard, right? Like, for a Sam Kerr to be like, suddenly I'm playing with, like, Lauren James to my right, who didn't play with me at all last season. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and while you know how good and, you know, how good your teammates are, whether you've seen them from different teams and whatever, it's a whole different thing once you start playing with them and once you start getting to use to the way they play. Because the minute you don't get, you get to use to the way they play, everything becomes second nature. The movements they make, where they're going to pass, where they're going to leave the ball, you kind of get that sense. Everything becomes a lot more easy and, and, and becomes more flowy, especially with the players like you used Lauren James there, the players that are going to start week in, week out. And in this case, Lauren James is one of those players where, you know, the first couple of weeks, maybe it didn't look as smooth. You know, she you know, almost looked like Lauren James, maybe a little bit isolated, kind of coming into positions, doing her thing. Other players weren't coming into, you know, coming in line. But, you know, now you just look at the combination partnership that Lauren James and Sam Kerr have created together. And it's like they've been playing as a strike partnership for years, right? They've, they've got that understanding between them. It's the same thing when you know you've got when you got other players, and obviously you now you've got. But then you've also got a new look front three, regardless of whether Guru is playing there with Sam and Lauren. Guru has to get used to the movements as well because it's a new dynamic with a third different person in there. So it's not just the new players with the old players, but it's the dynamic of the partnerships as a three midfield two. You know Buchanan in that backline struggled a lot in the beginning of the season, right? So now we're getting to a place where all right, now we know okay, Buchanan's better maybe possibly as the wider centre back if you're playing a three. Magda's getting used to a left-back role. So there have been almost two so many changes that everybody just kind of had to get used to it, build the partnerships, and now we're starting to see that it's it's kind of everyone's getting used to it. So yeah, I, I definitely think so. Nick, what are you looking at for this Chelsea side and thinking, okay, it's looking good, we're moving in the right direction, but is there something that stands out to you as this is something that needs to kind of be improved upon in, in the next month or so if we are going to continue looking dangerous in the WSL and in the Champions League. Yeah, I think it's probably more for the Champions League than it is for the WSL because I think outside of Arsenal, on our day, many teams can't hang, right? I mean, even even though the league is improving, even though Villa is certainly improved year over year and that was a tougher game than we anticipated, you know, it's, it's not as much for the league. It's definitely for the Champions League, though, and that is, I think the spacing and the passing between defense and midfield is still the thing that I'm kind of looking at as an Achilles heel of this team. And it might be because we have had a ton of rotation in the back line and Kadisha Buchanan hasn't necessarily settled in as quickly as I would have anticipated in these moments. And maybe there's just a little bit of hesitancy that she still feels like she has to do everything 
herself carrying the ball, which is a you know kind of a difficult thing when the rest of the team kind of plays more fluid. Uh, but then you look at the midfield, and it's like how much are you asking Aaron Cuthbert to do versus uh, maybe someone like Sophie Engel or another rotational partner like Jesse Fleming. I just don't feel like that's really gone that well. And we've played a lot down the wings and a lot of our breaks have gone long rather than a more kind of standard buildup. And so that would be something that I think if they're working on in training, like that, that really is the difference between a good team and a great team. How quickly can they break out of press situation? Because we know in Europe, we're more likely than not to be pressed the hell out of. And if we can beat those presses, if we can make those quick passes, there's a lot of room in behind for Sam Kerr to do her business for Frank Kirby to do it. Like there's, there's a ton of, of opportunity there, but I just don't think that we have effectively done that to this point. Yeah. And I think something that will be really interesting to to look at around that. And this is a player we're going to talk a bit more when we get into your questions is, is the role of Khadija Buchanan in that? Because I think something that really stood out to me and we talked about it in our match review, but in that Manchester United game was if she's on the right side, she is going to step out with the ball so much more confidently and can be maybe the key there to linking those parts of the pitch up. So I think that would be something that that's really worth keeping an eye on as we move into the rest of November, into December. But Abdullah, Arsenal are above us. They've got the only 100% record in the league. Then you've kind of got City, who I would say are performing fine at the moment but they played pretty easy games United equally looked good in their easy games then lost to us what are you making of the other title contenders in in this year's WSL I think one thing's for sure I think it's it's tighter at the top than it's ever been I mean you just look at the points tally now 18 18 12 15 and obviously there's a drop off to nine but even those nines can easily come up to you know 11s and 12s and suddenly you have you know, four or five teams up there scrambling for that top four position. And I think that in itself is a huge uh, <clears throat> statement of the leagues, you know, saying that there's at least five, six teams that can be battling for the top four spots, um, which is which is great from a league point perspective. But I think for Chelsea and, and for, for the other top two, three teams, it's 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 an indi- it's, a, it's kind of a warning that anybody can take points off anybody now. And, and I, that was always the case. But now it's even more precarious that you can't afford to drop any points because if you do, you know, someone's going to be there to take it off you as well. So if somebody does take it off, you got to take advantage, but you got to make sure that you don't lose the points because it's so tight. Um, over there, Arsenal, I think they've looked really good. Obviously, they've um, they've won their games. They haven't lost. They've, uh, you know, they've got a goal difference of plus 17 which is crazy they've, they've you know they've uh, conceded one goal you know and, and that that's insane and, and the last time we saw Arsenal play like this was you know probably a few years ago to this extent of being this good um, but you know and I think with United it was I think they'll be a good challenger for the top four obviously we saw they lost you know the game against against us so maybe there's a little bit of work to be done there but City I think slow off the blocks I mean they've, they've got 12 points, but slow off the blocks. They still got, they've got to learn a lot of new players, a lot more than Chelsea do. Still trying to figure out combinations. I remember there was one game, I think Jesse, you tweeted it. They played four fullbacks in that one game. I mean, if, if that's the case, then it's if wild. that's the case, then they're still, <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. They're, they're still just trying to figure out their team, you know. Uh, so I think while teams are going to figure this out, I think I think it's going to come down to, to Chelsea and Arsenal ultimately to, to see who wins it. But it's not going to be as easy or as smooth as it was as it was last year. I think there's going to be a lot more teams who have a say in who ends up being second and third uh, in, in this in this title race. Yeah, Manchester United have the opportunity to do us what would be a really really big favor next weekend. So I will be at the Emirates cheering United on. And just from a, I mean, obviously from a Chelsea, Chelsea perspective, I want Arsenal to lose. But I think it would also be really exciting if we saw Arsenal drop points sooner rather than later and just kind of blow this. Oh. Whole, Thing open again yeah for sure I mean that was kind of the the interesting part of last season right is is Arsenal obviously get that um win quote unquote with two offside goals against us in the first game and then we're behind the eight ball again very much similar to this season and then about mid-season they started floundering a little bit right they started dropping points a little bit and Still, even with that, it was all the way to the last game of the season where where we know the, the how that story ended against United and where Arsenal were at and that we were down early and that could have lost us the league and then we won 4-2 because Sam Kerr is absurd and, it, you know, it still made it really exciting. So, yeah, I, I agree. It would be a, 
a good good thing for United to beat them. Plus, you know, going back, I know it wasn't on the United review, but United looks improved. I mean, to me, anyway, from where they were last year. I don't think that's going to be some sort of like easy fixture for Arsenal to kind of blow their way through. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And we'll see if the big uh, pitch at the Emirates is going to uh, impact either team. Yeah, it should definitely be an interesting one. But we are going to take a quick ad break. When we come back, we will be having a look through some of your questions. If you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With over 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk when you use our 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened check out my link again that's nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today all right i feel like the question we are going to have to kick off with comes from techie tiger and it is about panela harder um for anyone who didn't know or doesn't know uh panela harder was playing for denmark um, on Friday, I believe this was, and she basically very clearly pulled her hamstring. And there's no official news out of Denmark or Chelsea, but I don't think we're going to see Vanilla Harder playing for Chelsea for quite a while at this point. Um, so, Abdullah, I'll come to you first on this one. What do you think the impact of Vanilla's injury is going to be on this team? And what will we do to adapt around the situation? I kind of personally feel the adaptation is something that we are at least vaguely prepped for because, oh my God, that Chelsea generally have pretty good... We're quite lucky with injuries normally, but Harder just feels like she never, ever gets a good run of games without getting one of these kind of one-month, two-month injuries. Yeah, that's... It's 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 a double-edged sword, right? Like, at one point, you don't want... Panila Hado, arguably your, your best player to be injured for so many spells of one month, two months. But at the same time, if you're talking about it from a <clears throat> adaptability perspective, then I guess Chelsea are semi-prepared for it. I mean, there was a point even earlier this season where Chelsea were playing without Panila Hado for so many for so many games, and, and, it, and it worked out. Um, you know, and it, it worked out for them. So uh, to an extent, so I, I guess you know it, it it does it does sort of change the whole dynamic again because when she did come back it was um it was very much uh that she did change the way Chelsea played gave them a bit of fluency she played really well as this number 10 you know and, and I felt like the whole system was designed for Penelah to be playing as that number 10 in, in in this in this you know three three four one two or four three one two system whatever you want to call it um but now that she's injured I guess it's a great time for Frank Kirby to make a comeback I think that's that's one thing to say if she can otherwise the girl Sam Lauren James, you know, Trident hasn't actually done too badly either. So I guess persisting with that isn't the worst thing in the world, but it is a concern. The fact that, you know, we lose out on probably top two best players and best player in the world. And that also coming into a couple of stretch of games where, you know, against Real Madrid and PSG again will be key. You know, we don't want to go into a situation like last year with the Champions League where, you know, get knocked out of the group stages. So you want your best players there, obviously. But um, I, I would say Chelsea are better prepped this year than they were last year. Um, you know, but I, 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 you know, Nick, what do you think about who's kind of the best replacement in the sense? Do you think it's a friend, it's a Lauren James, or is it someone completely different? I, I really don't know. I mean, I think they're, because of the talent up there, right, there are so many different players you can play in multiple positions and that you know you didn't even you know mention Beth England who had a goal and against Brighton coming in that in that one game so I'm uh I'm curious I guess because I, I think as the team has evolved my thoughts around Pernilla has kind of evolved right like 
she's kind of played this like eight stroke 10 where she's been able to run with the ball and make runs in behind and overlap with a striker or a winger to create extra space. And we know that she has insane dribbling talent and uh, lethal finishing. I mean, that goal against Brighton from a close angle was absurd. <laughs> and uh, she, I mean, she's bailed us out a lot this year uh, offensively because we've not started that well. Uh, in the attack, which is odd considering all the talent. But um, I guess I would be curious, Jesse, what you think about, you know, how we line up formationally without Harder, because if she, if we don't have like that true number eight stroke 10, and what we have is is maybe a 10, 10, 11 with Kirby or a kind of jack of all trades with Lauren James who can play anywhere, really just will carry the ball. Like, I think Lauren James might be more of like the traditional like for like swap because of her ability to carry the ball. Uh, but, you know, if you get Kirby back, you just kind of play her wherever you can, right? I mean, she's great. Yeah. I mean, I think the only positive in inverted commas that comes out of this is if there's one area of the pitch, Chelsea aren't really short of players. It is in this kind of attacking midfield. 10 quasi doing whatever they want to do role. I think based on form this season, you probably say, well, maybe you move James more centrally. That's always where she claims she prefers to play. And you put Canarid on the right for now, based on who we know is actually fit. You then obviously yeah, have the options of hopefully, fingers crossed, Fran will be back soon. Um, you know, I don't really know what the fact you know, that she came on against Vlatsnir and then needed to take time out again. Means for that. Equally, Kankovic is a player who everyone's very excited over, but we've not really seen. But it seems to be that that injury isn't a serious one and hopefully maybe this extra week will have given her the time to get back and we can start seeing her play a bit more. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a tough one because I think Harder is such a unique player and we've seen... Chelsea take their time I think to adapt to the way she wants to play and every time it feels like we get in the rhythm of fitting her in we get an interruption and it's not that there's not the players there to replace her it's more just sometimes it feels like we're starting from zero again even when she comes back into the team and I think that is part of the reason why we've never really seen peak Panila at in a Chelsea shirt because it's just been so stop start for her that being said fun thought experiment for a question that came in before Harder got injured. Obviously, it's not necessarily relevant now, although there is a caveat on it. But this is from Neon. Nick, I'll give this to you. Who do you drop from Wright and Harder, Kerr, Kirby or James, if all of them are fit? It's tricky to fit them all into 11, even if the first lineup against Liverpool did have them all. Would you be going... The thing is, to me, I'm like, Emma Hayes will just, you know, she's like at a poker table pushing all her chips into the middle of the table with that list of players. I'm sure we'll see it at some point if, if there is a point where they're all fit. But are you are you going to do the Hayes, the all-out attacking lineup, or would you be kind of keeping some of them sweet on the bench? Guys, it's your classic 3-2-5 <laughs> formation that we all know and love, okay? I mean, I think the answer is very simple. Uh, or I guess a four-one-five formation would work too, um, if if you prefer a four at the back. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I honestly think right now the most undroppable player in our lineup is Gro Ryden, which is I mean, if you would have said that two years ago, you would have been looked at like you were crazy. But I mean, she's just been on fire. I mean, she's taking people on. She has one billion assists in three games. Um, that we'll check that stat. I don't know if that's one hundred percent accurate, but uh, FB ref confirmed. But but she, I mean, she is the creator in this team right now, um, which is interesting because she's playing from a very kind of uh, siphoned off position on the left. Like you know, she does get forward and obviously can move into the box a little bit, but that's not where she does some of her most dangerous work. It's the interchanges on the wings to get in behind. And it's some of those crosses in that are just pinpoint beautiful. I mean, so I, I think on its face with the biggest names up here, you would say, oh, yeah, you'd probably drop Guro right. And I, I think if you drop Guro, I don't know who your chance creator is in that group. Maybe Lauren, but someone has to pass the ball for it to be scored. And, I, you know, I've always uh, been a huge fan of point guards in basketball because they set up play. I think that's Guro. So, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, harder obviously being hurt makes that solution a lot easier for for this question, but it might be harder for me. Oh, damn! Watch out, the stands, Nick. They could come for you. I'm <laughs> clipping that up. Like I'm not used to that shit already. <laughs> Abdullah, are you saying the same? Oh, it's it's a tough one. Uh, you know, I don't know. Get I, I think I agree with. Get <laughs> Come on, man. It's warm over here. Let's go. <laughs> I know. I, I'll, I'll come, maybe I'll come through with a different one, right? Maybe, right? Okay, I, I agree with Wrighton being undroppable. But if we're, if, I mean, if we're talking about Harder not playing as much, there's Kirby as well. And I think we've seen what Harder's done and maybe a little bit more. So maybe Kirby gets dropped. I don't know. Again, it's tough. It's small margins, you know? So this I, is probably just kill your darlings, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. You asked me to go. You asked me to go for a hot take, right? I mean, so here we are. Like, if I'm not doing this now, when am I doing it, right? But no, I think it's tough. Honestly, if I'm being if I'm being real, it's tough. Like, how do you? you it's it's unthinkable to drop any of them. But then, harder Kirby are the ones who've been most injury prone, and I think we need to see Kirby play a little bit more in this. You know, with this team to see what her effect is as against what Hard has already done. Because I think we've seen what Hard is capable of in this current team, whereas. You know, maybe Kirby hasn't played enough. So just by the virtue of appearances, I'm going to say Kirby. But yeah, that's my call it's, right now. It's close, but though. I, I mean, they're they're both yeah. injury prone. I mean, I, I think if you look at that list, it's tough. I think, but I think also what is something Tim Stillman's actually said before is just that maybe the reality is for a player like Frank Kirby, sadly, it's not realistic to expect her to play a full season anymore the way she did you know, two years ago in that comeback season that maybe that's just something that physically she's not up to. And then, and so the serious version of this is you've got all these players because you're accepting that you're going to wrap Fran, say, in cotton wool and bring her out for for all the biggest games. I think if I'm taking peak of all these players, I'm probably actually dropping Lauren James, to be honest, just because I, I am just sad that I feel like we've never got a good run of, Right and harder, Kurt and Kirby, like in a four-two-three-one, because I still think, like, with the caveats of all these players being fit and in that kind of formation, I think that would be sick. And we've never really seen it properly, to be honest. So sorry, LJ, you got plenty of time left. Um, these other guys are older. I'm gonna give them the run out for now. Um, Nick, I'm gonna come back to you on this question from Gamzengina Thirty. Were there any notable differences in Chelsea's play or in-game management whilst Emma was out? Yeah, there was a distinct lack of screaming, um, <laughs> and I found that to be troubling. Um, I, you know, I, look, I, I didn't notice anything tangibly on the pitch. I think in in moments where you saw, like, stoppages for injuries or uh, whatever at the beginning of the season, like, there was a clear kind of huddle-up mentality on the on the sideline to make sure that everyone had the right instructions from the airpods that that were in denise reddy's ears um which uh, you know i don't i don't know if that's a part of the standard recovery process from surgery or not to still be working from from uh the bedside but um you know that's also can i just say everyone has everyone has the airpods in like yeah in at the psg game i was like in the posh bit so I could like see like I was sat near Paul Green. He had the earphones in. Denise Reddy has the ear. Everyone on the bench has these. Is it just one feed from Emma? Do we think just like screaming it's a into conference the conference call? Ears? Yeah, it's a massive <laughs> conference call. First of all, can you imagine what that sounds like when things aren't going well? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> you know oh, when no, Emma's I like can't, I can't Wi-Fi hear you wasn't well. working. Someone yeah. went round, I reckon, with clippers. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they're hot spotted up. There's no chance. Oh, Every no, precaution's no. been taken. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't, I don't know if the like if the lineups, for example, would have changed if if Emma was on the touchline or not. I doubt it because I, I, she still has so much say in what's going on that I think I think she's picking the players. I think she's getting practice reports from uh, Reddy and, and Paul Green. I think like there's probably not a ton to me that makes sense that would have changed necessarily. I, you know, you guys get what I'm saying? I think for me, the only thing maybe is around the speed at which we started certain games okay. and that energy. I think, yeah, I agree. I I think Emma is way too involved even from the sofa <laughs> to for there to be anything tactically no, yeah. or personnel wise different 
But like you kind of hinted at, Nick, I wonder if there is a difference about... Listen, Denise Rennie is not a woman who I'd want to get on the wrong side of, but she's also not Emma. And I feel like maybe at points in games, there was a slowness to really get going that we might not have seen, I think, if if Emma was on the sidelines, Abdullah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I think, I think, um, I think it was it Paul Green or someone had said that even when she was she was sitting at home, that she was the one talking about the team to starting, who should be tactics that they're playing. So, I mean, if if that's the case, then was Emma really truly gone? Except spiritually, she was always there controlling the team, but it's just physically she wasn't at the oh, on the sideline. <laughs> like you, you know, she's looking at all the practice footage in detail. Yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. Listen, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a massive ass TV on the side of the training ground and there's like a Zoom call of her just, of her just sitting there going, right, move, you just, go. Just we barking at sprint. him. Yeah, barking at the sprints down the line. Let's go. I see you at the back. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. No, I think, I think, I think Emma w- would have like taken a break in the sense that she physically wouldn't have had to go on any go anywhere so she's resting at home but it's it's literally like working from home but actually working from home i think she took the definition literally and um yeah and i don't think going into it into an intense period like this kind of a key season overall that emma would want to sort of uh I don't want to see relinquish control of the tactics per se and kind of leave it to her assistants. Not that she doesn't have any trust in them, but I think she so wants to micromanage the situation in a way that she wants to make sure everything's meticulously detailed that uh, I think she would have been on the phone constantly saying, all right, how are we doing? Okay, we should do things like this. We should do things. So I think what we're seeing is what we would have seen anyway. So I don't think there's any real difference in what's going on except for the in-game sort of gestures and, 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 and antics and things like that. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what stuff's like when she's back. Because part of me has wondered also if the players have benefited from not having that level of micromanagement on the side of the field. But I think Emma can be quite varied, I think, in the level of micromanagement she does from game to game. Uh, But we've got a question from Clayton at Goalie59, friend of the pod, Clayton. Um, Abdullah, I will come to you. This is a two-part question, so I'll come to you with the first part. Why do you think Khadija Buchanan has, and this is in inverted commas, struggled? Why has Khadija Buchanan struggled? Excellent question. I think it's the question that we're all asking ourselves. Why have you struggled? Um, no, There's really, probably I a think... job in Chelsea's analysis department if you yeah. answer this one. <laughs> yeah, if I answer this, I could probably get a job. It's fine. Um, no, I think... Uh... I think I think coming into a team that's had that's playing with the three. I think first of all, I think it's the three at the back system. I think Kadish is coming from a team that has traditionally played four at the back, um, and I, and I think in that four at the back there was clear roles defined for Wendy Renard and uh, Grijem Bok and 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 Kiddish Buchanan. Right, whenever they played, they had a set role. They knew what they had to do, and they kind of played this dominant style every game they played, whether it was the Champions League domestic league the cup whatever right because they were a, such a dominant team at, you know when they were playing at the time and and all that where i think coming to chelsea i think you first of all you're playing in a three you're also playing with two tremendously powerful and aggressive center backs and i think having to get used to playing with two players that in their own right are world class on their day they're they're, be- they're they're best and you you honestly you don't want to be dropping either of them so I think one, she had to adapt to that. Two, I think obviously it's a new team. You can't be expect you can't come from playing at a team like Leon for five, six years, come to a new t- another team that's equally, if not as powerful in terms of their their status and stature and and and, and, and you know power in the team, in the league, uh, and and just expect to slot in and play, especially when it's a different system. You're playing from one minute it's a possession game, the next minute it's a counterattacking side. The system's changing from a three to a four. So I think she had to adapt and again a new country, new new system. So I think all of those combinations, you know, surrounded, I think she needed to adapt to. And I think we've noticed that playing as a center center back is probably not her best suite. And she played there for the longest time. And the minute we saw her come out to a wider position, she just felt more comfortable. And I think for it affected the rest of the team, that confidence level. And I think we saw it when Millie Bright was playing centrally. It was easier for to control. All right, I have Magda on my left, who I'm used to playing week in, week out for the last two, three, four seasons. 
to now, okay, I only have to manage Kadisha Buchanan on my right in terms of in communication because whereas before, if Millie's on the right side, she's talking to Kadisha on her left and she's talking to Yves Parisse on her right. That's two new players. She has to manage and control, get used to the system, kind of play them through the match where they get... Um, they're experienced players, no doubt, but just to kind of get them into the intricacy of the system, all right, maybe, okay, just don't forget to track back. And I think that kind of maybe affected their form as well. So switching positions into the right role getting used to the, the, the culture, the atmosphere, and kind of coming into a team where, you know, you're playing alongside some massive names uh, alongside you. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it. I mean, Millie and Kanisha really play the same position. <laughs> and it's difficult to pick one of those two. They're both incredible players. Um, but Millie is far more comfortable, and the team is comfortable around her playing in that role. I thought it was an interesting and bold choice to move Kadisha out to the right-hand side. And I think, frankly, from a athleticism perspective, it will be helpful, especially if, uh, if we do end up playing this three-back and our wing-backs get a little disconnected. It, it's helpful to have Kadisha's athleticism on that side, um, you know, and, and maybe have a little bit more of a stout presence in the middle with, with Millie, who's able to uh, maybe control play with passing a little bit better. Um, so... I, I see the value in that, um, but the parasite one is is also a, a bit of a conundrum for me because I think Neve Charles is just playing out of her skin right now in a lot of ways, and then you know I think the surprise of the whole season right now is Neve Charles, um, whether it be on the left or on the right, and then you add in the fact that Lauren James is kind of playing this like hybrid right wing back right winger get into the box, do whatever magic you can roll. Um, I think it's just been hard to kind of define if we're going to play Parasite in a, in a right wing back role or in a traditional right back role, Jesse. So I'm, I think it's more, it's a good problem to have. You have a bunch of players playing above themselves and you have this new player who you think is going to be really good, but it's hard to go against form. Yeah. So this touches on the second half of Clayton's question. Why is Parasite not getting more minutes? And I think, yeah, Nick, you've, basically hit the nail on the head there. I think, firstly, Chelsea have been looking to have more competition in those spots. You know, obviously, fullback's an area where over the past couple of seasons, we've kind of lacked in depth there. And then you've kind of got this funny thing where, as Nick says, Neve Charles has had a very, very good start to the season. And she got back into the England squad as a result of it. She started for England on Friday and she looked very good for England too. And I think there's a sense of a player there maybe taking the same step forward that we saw Jess Carter take um, last season. And I think that's really exciting for Chelsea. I think it's exciting for Charles. And I think it's good for Perisset because this is, even though Perisset is an older player and she is an experienced player, she's played at big clubs before, but... Bordeaux is not Chelsea. Like, this is still a step forward for her. And for us to be able to allow her, I think, to have that time to bed in, to get used to who she's playing with, build those relationships. And I think also have players who you want to use for different games. You know, we've obviously seen Marin play there. She's been out more recently. She's had a hamstring problem. But, you know, Marin came in for the City game there and had a really, really good game. And I think we've seen Charles come in for games which are maybe more physical and because she looks really hench at the moment. And I think that's something that's, you know, she's really physically filled out over the past couple of seasons in a way that's helped too. And, you know, Parasite is a bit more slight, I would say, than Neve. So I think realistically, it's just great to have those options. I still think over the course of the season, we'll see... Eve playing the most minutes out of anyone in that right back position when it comes down to it. Um, I think it will get to a point where if we are in the latter stages of the Champions League, she will be the first choice there. But if she's not, I think it will be just because Neve Charles has kind of overtaken her. So it's kind of a win-win from a, a Chelsea perspective. It's definitely a win-win. And it makes me also think... Is there, because we've talked about all the positions that Eve can play. She's a very versatile player, right? She's played in midfield before. She's played at left back before. Clearly played at right back for France and did really well in the summer's tournament. Um, do, do we think that there's a possibility that you can slot her into midfield in games where you want to be more defensively compact and have a faster Neve Charles playing right wing back um, 
to to kind of shore up everything. I, I'm I'm curious about that because we haven't really seen Neve get into midfield quite yet. Yeah, no, I think um, yeah, Neve playing in midfield would be would be an interesting choice. I think I think again it comes down to where I mean we've seen Neve Charles play in these in these wing back positions, and uh, you know they've been uh, you know she's been really good in those positions, but it's like further forward. You know, in a weird way, though, she's a naturally she's a natural wide attacking player. That's what she came through at Liverpool and 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 kind of kind of growing up. But I don't think we've seen Neve Charles in a more attacking position on a regular basis. So it would be interesting to see if you know if 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 you want the same kind of attributes and dynamics from a Neve Charles that she's shown at fullback in a wider position in an attacking front, what that would do. Maybe that would give something to Chelsea that would be completely different to what they already have. You know. I wouldn't mind seeing Neve Charles go right and Sam Kerr as a front three. I think that would give you such a different di- uh, dynamic going forward. You know, someone who's got maybe on the right-hand side, someone who's now developed this defense, slightly defensive uh, positioning and understanding uh, alongside an Eve Perisay. So maybe it could even be a tactical setup, right? When you want to play essentially two players who can play a right back, a right wing back, and you can pair up Perisay and... Uh, and Charles on the right-hand side. So there, there are options of playing Neve Charles in different positions in midfield or in attack. I think it just comes down to tactically how you want to uh, how you want to face up against the team that you're going up against. Yeah, I mean, again, this just all comes back to the fact that Chelsea buy players who can play in lots of different positions, and, and that's kind of the whole point, is, is t- figuring them out. I definitely would like to see Perisette in midfield at some point, but... It hasn't happened yet, so I don't know if it's going to happen. But it would definitely be an interesting one for me. Um, Nick, I will throw this one to you. This was an anonymous question. Do you think this season will be the one where we finally see Chelsea that is a cohesive team in games where it's evident all over the pitch rather than relying on players who provide the moments of magic when you need them? It feels like that's the missing key that you guys need if you want to be successful in Europe. So, so this is clearly from a non-Chelsea fan. It is uh, from a non-Chelsea fan. Uh, yeah, I will protect the identity any further. <laughs> but yeah, I think this this question is getting at, and I think this is true, right? That maybe, I don't know if I'd agree that, that Chelsea aren't like a cohesive team, but I think definitely there is a sense that in the past we have relied on, yeah, players having amazing games, for example, or amazing runs of games rather than players performing at a, like 6 out of 10, but collective 8 out of 10, and like getting shit done. And I think for me, this is something that has maybe started to change this season. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be this season necessarily. I think there's too many new players for that sort of cohesion that you see with some of the best teams in the world, your Leons or Barcelona's or whatever. Uh, but I do think you'll see some improvement there. Um, the moments of magic piece, I I think is very much indicative of how our forwards just play (laughs) and where, you know, we don't have a standard attacking, uh, sort of structure in a lot of ways. A lot, you know, a lot of it's dynamic and kind of comes from different areas and is more unpredictable, which I think is good. Um, but I think it does at times stretch the distances between our attack and our midfield or midfield and our defense. And sometimes it does look disjointed because of that. Uh, so maybe not this season fully, but certainly next season. Yeah. I think definitely it's something that feels like it's, it's moving to a better place. And I think control is, if I was going to sum up actually the start of our season so far, that would be the word that I think would stand out to me in terms of when we're talking about the PSG game, when we're talking about even that Manchester United game when we conceded to to Rousseau but had kind of a shaky 10 minutes, but being able to take back, not to say take back control, but, you know, get a grip on the game and be able to slow things down, put our foot on the ball, even score, obviously, is the case. United I think that's something that is indicative of having a more cohesive team structure um but we're gonna take another quick break then we're gonna come back we've got a couple more questions but these are fun ones so guys get your light comedy hats on all right okay Abdullah I'm coming to you first for this one 
from Meme Astronaut at Pippa21336. If you could have a player, brackets or staff member, on the pod for an interview, who would be your dream get and what would you ask them about? Oh, I think it's this one. I, I, I've got two. One is a bit more of a the memes. You've got to get the meme queens, Jiri Musevich on, just to, just to get the banter going. It'd I mean, be that fun. Would be, That'd be fun. That would be fun. I think that would be the funnest interview we could have. Uh, just ask her about all the bands, all the memes that's going on inside. I think that for me would be the funniest one. So I, I would want to do that. Uh, and just basically say, what, what what do you guys do? What's What are the inside jokes? What's going on? So I think that would be one in terms of <clears throat> uh, comedic value and, and, and just kind of getting to know the culture inside. But I think from a, from a putting my, my analyst hat on, if I had to pick one for me, the dream would be, um, I think, Penny Lahado or Samka, just, just to kind of understand... You know, you know their positioning, their movements. What do they do? How do they like to play? What systems they like to fit into? And you know their movements and kind of the small details that 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 they thrive off of. And for me, that would be um, the 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 analytical dream interview, if I, if I could say that from this Chelsea side. What about you, Nick and Jesse? Um, yeah, my, mine's always Emma. I, I've had the chance to sit down and, and have a couple. Of beers with her and i just imagine that an interview would be um fun and insightful and uh w- would challenge probably some perceptions uh that that you have of the team or or even of her uh, as as a person and i think she's a she seems like a deeply thoughtful human as well as funny as hell so i think that's the dream get uh, i think if i had to go with a player um and it, it would have to be in a bar setting um, w- with beers attached, then I would I would love to get Sam because I feel like there would just be shenanigans all over the place. And I am a fan of shenanigans. <laughs> I would also love to have a beer with Sam Kerr. Um, I think I would maybe go with Penila just because I think she's a player who obviously is very thoughtful, both on footballing things and social things. But I think she's also someone who, on the pitch, comes across as quite steely, even cold sometimes, very professional. But I think when you see her interviewed, and in certain situations when she really opens up, you see this totally different side to her. And I think that would be like a really enjoyable thing to be able to talk about her career and how she sees football, but maybe also have that opportunity to see that different side to her, which I don't think we've ever really, you know, like in the interviews she's done, she's always like doing them as Penila Harder. But I think it'd be really interesting to see that in a, in a Chelsea con- context specifically. Very quickly, Nick, who are we talking to about footwear and sneakers? Who's got the best sneaker game in that? Oh. We got to ask somebody that question. That's going to be Kadisha, no? Kadisha's a baller. So she, she's got the, she's got game. I think Sam Sam goes for a bit more of the plain Air Force Ones, white Air Force Ones. I've seen it around. Um, but I think right now Kadisha's come in and taken because she she her nickname is uh, Kadisha Baller. She was yeah. uh, she was nicknamed Baller at at, at Leon. So it's got to be Kadisha. But I mean, if there's anything, keep Kadisha out of this. Who else is there? We got we got to figure someone out. I reckon LJ's probably got some good. There's drugs. there's no doubt. I mean, outside of whatever Reese. Uh, was wearing this weekend the blue fuzzy suit <laughs> i'm obsessed with that it looks so warm i'm gonna be acting better with that in december guys when the temperature drops it just, we need a full episode on oh, just man. the fashion and sneaker wear yes. of the chelsea teams we need to do a full episode on just the, on the trends going on remember the green the green reese james look a few weeks ago the yes. green hair with the gucci jet i mean like We've got to be asking these questions now. We got to go drip, through. Drip, drip, drip. Uh, yeah, I don't know who else has really good drip on the team. That's a really good question. Uh, Emma, Emma wears a few dunks on the sidelines. I've seen that. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, but she loves an absolutely awful outfit generally. Yeah, so. fair yeah. enough. But the, I keep looking at the sneakers. She wears. A, she wears the pandas a couple of times. I've seen that. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna do some journalistic investigation. All right, next international break, Abdullah. You're coming to us with this app. <laughs> Yes. We look forward yeah, to I'm it. Doing it. I'm doing the it. Christmas, the Christmas WSL break when we, we need to get the extra content going. Done. Um, okay. Done. Done. Next question, guys, from Bill Offright. If you were stuck in an elevator or lift, 
as the British call it. <laughs> what three players would you want to be stuck with? Uh, this also makes me laugh because I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, I think it was the WSL did a TikTok where they asked all the Chelsea players who they didn't want to be stuck in a lift with, and everyone said Aaron Cuthbert. All of them. I was like, <laughs> what? Everyone said Aaron Cuthbert and Guru Wrighton, and it was like because Guru Why? would be too stressed and Aaron would be too noisy. Yeah, that, well, fair enough. Okay. You know what? I'm taking Aaron. I, Aaron's one of my. You want to be in the lift with Aaron? I think she's hilarious. When we interviewed her, I was like, "This is what a delight." Um, I'm, I would take Aaron. I would, and then I would have. I would just watch the couple struggles of Magda and Pernilla, and oh, who yeah. and who decided <laughs> what and why. And I would just. It would kind of be like couples therapy. It'd be fun. Yeah, I love oh, that. Abdullah. That's interesting. Uh, you know what? I'll take Aaron because always I backed Aaron for the last eighteen months. I might as well back her here as well. All right, Aaron, you're you're in take the elevator. Uh, let's take. Oh God, who else do you want to take in? You know what? Let's just go with the younger crowd. Let's get let's get Neve Charles and let's get LJ in there, and let's just see how the young crowd deals with being stuck in a lift and how they manage to get out. Because it's just interesting to see. At that age, how, what do they do? How do we get out of there? Do we break their way out? Do they find their way out? Let's see what they do. So that, that would be my interesting take. So I'm going to go for Millie, just because she seems like a great combo of funny, good chat, but also calm. I can't imagine her getting particularly flustered by the lift situation. And then I think I'd go for Sam, also just for entertainment value, because I think her and Millie as a combo... Jokes would flying. Be, exactly. Oh. Would be a lot of fun. And then I might go for Jess Carter because I feel like it's going to be good chat, but she's maybe going to be like a level of extra chill. So if Millie and Sam get a bit too much, I'm just going to chat to Jess and keep it low key. I feel like, you know, it being in a relationship with AKB, that kind of cool calmness has rubbed off on Jess. I, I think I think you want to avoid the pranksters at all costs uh, because that would be a long however many someone or said hours. that I think it was it might have been a neek maybe it was someone else but they were worried that Sam would be like jumping up and down in the lift to try and like shake it and stuff like that that's why they were like not Sam and Guru has the mischief about her you know like just pure unadulterated mischief I. You can't be on an elevator that but long. But on with TikTok, someone. they were they were making out like actually she would be just like pure anxiety. So it would be the opposite Freaked. direction. Freaked. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. I wonder who would be the most nervous of all of them. Um, I could see Fran being nervous. I could see Fran being nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Fran I could see Fran Fran getting quite stressed. Jesse Fleming maybe as well. I know she's like ice cold. But I feel like there's also, I could imagine that in like a practice, she's the kind of player who maybe on the football pitch, it's just chill. But in real life, it's like quite different. Well, like you don't want a type A person in there. You need someone who can just let it happen, you know? I wonder why Guru would be so, does, Guru doesn't look like someone who would stress out a lot, though. So I'm wondering why know, that's apparently the, she does. Why the, apparently she's Eve an anxious Perise person. would be chill. Maybe Eve Perise would be chill. She doesn't seem too too crazy out there in, in person, so that's another one to think about. But AKB would just I think AKB just the German the Germanness in her just like I feel like she just on. punched through the doors and yeah, then exactly. take just us like, all out. Boom. <laughs> like incredible Hulk style. <laughs> exactly. Bang. We go for it. Oh, um, no lifts at King's Meadow, so hopefully we don't have to worry about that one anytime soon. Uh, final question before we have a quick look ahead to um, the, the games coming up in November, December. It comes from Millhouse. My wife, Baby, and I will be in London for the game. I assume this is the Chelsea Spurs game at Stamford Bridge. Where will you all be getting pre-game pints? Um, I assume this might be more relevant to me, uh, but Abdullah, what will you be doing before the, the Chelsea Spurs game? <laughs> I will probably, it's a Sunday at five o'clock my time, so I'll probably be home chilling before the game, having a glass of water, I guess. All right. You can chill with Abdullah and have a glass of water. Nick, what, what were you doing? <laughs> well, if I was in London, um, I would be up to shenanigans, and those shenanigans <laughs> would start at the, the Cock Tavern, most likely, and then evolve as the day evolved. 
as as it will be early my time, I will probably be grabbing a cup of coffee and uh, and settling in for what could be a tasty affair. And I will be in London, and I might do shenanigans. So I'm thinking I will get pre-game pints probably at the Butcher's Hook from around 12.30. So if anyone wants to come and say hi, please come and say hi. Millhouse, bring your wife and your baby um, and anyone else who wants to come along. Start, so, yeah. Starting them young. Starting them young, Millhouse. I like it. Exactly. Well done. Exactly. That's it. That's the way to get it done. And you can have the coffee and the water on behalf of both of us. for being There you go. We're in spirit. We'll get them lined up. Yeah. On the yeah, table. I'll, I'll buy you a bourbon from afar. And that way you can enjoy that. All right. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So, yes, Chelsea do play Spurs at Stamford Bridge uh, a week today. Um, and then we've got Real Madrid. We have got Leicester City. Real Madrid again. Reading, Vlatsnia, and PSG. And that takes us all the way up to Christmas. Packed month, man. Oof. Yeah, what are you thinking about all of this? Uh, well, it would be really nice if United beat Arsenal so that things are not so win all the time, every game kind of pressure like that I think they had last year. Because I think that ended up hurting us in the in the Champions League a little bit, but yeah, I mean the Real Madrid games. I mean that's basically if if you're able to come out of that with a win and a draw, it kind of secures you for the next round. It feels like in this group, from just like a math perspective, uh, if you come out with two wins, you're definitely going. Uh, but those are the two that you got to look at as must wins if you want to advance and or at least get as many points as possible from because after that you have PSG, after that you have Vlatsina, um, which the Vlatsina game should be pretty well in hand uh, after the 8-0 drubbing the other day. And then you got to figure out how to beat PSG at home. But uh, yeah, it's a big, big month for the Champions League. It's like October on the men's side where you just had rapid fire games all in a row in the Champions League. Yeah, it's a lot. Abdullah, you, do you look at this and feel feel worried because obviously this is kind of the time of year where we we did come unstuck last season obviously we had the amazing FA Cup win and then it absolutely went to shit in December so we've seen how quickly these months can unravel right yeah for sure and I think um but I think I think the key difference is obviously like you said the FA Cup final I think last season was all right build up to the FA Cup final they won it, and I think maybe the high just came down a little bit, and then maybe the season unraveled because of that. But I think this time, I think Chelsea will be a little bit better prepared, especially in the Champions League, knowing what happened last year coming up against two big teams in Wolfsburg and Juventus. And I think they won't give Real Madrid an inch this time, especially with the fact that the first game is at home uh, on the 23rd. So I think that's a, that's a good advantage. If you can get the three points there, it puts less pressure going away from home and having to secure you know, three, if not one point coming away from there. So I think Champions League, I'm not too worried about. <clears throat> but the three games in, in the WSL against uh, Tottenham, Leicester and Reading, I think are, are going to be absolutely crucial because like Nick said, if, if, if United can do a job on Arsenal, I think that would be a whole lot of pressure off those three games. And um, it's a key month. I mean, it's a key month in terms of in terms of the league, in terms of the Champions League, and I think in terms of momentum and and confidence. Mm-hmm. Because if you go into this, if you go into these games, and you put in good performances and you pick up regular three points in each of the two different competitions, it takes them great stead into into that international break. And and then obviously that first game back against Arsenal on the fifteenth, I think will become again once again defining title defining moment. So. Confidence and momentum going into that Arsenal game, I think, is 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 major key over everything else. Uh, and yeah, so I think I think it's they can do it. I think it's but it, they should have. They think they should have learned from this time last year. Yeah, I agree. I think the Champions League obviously will be the priority. I've said all season that the Champions League run is more important to me than winning the WSL. So honestly, I care more about smashing through these games and looking good in that competition. Um, I'd obviously like it to be both, not an either or, but if it is to be an either or, that's the one that I've got my eye on. Honestly, having watched Real Madrid, like I went to the Classico and stuff, we should get six points. If we don't get six points, we're not going to seriously compete in the Champions League for me. Interesting. Given the the level that I think that team is at right now. Obviously, things can happen, but I just think they're the teams that we should, at this point, be a step above. And fingers crossed, 
you know, the Leicester and the Reading games are kind of opportunities for us to rotate successfully. Spurs, I think, will be interesting at the bridge. Um, I was there the last time they played this game there on the opening day of the 1920 season, and it was truly a deeply boring game that I mainly remember from being fascinated by Ashley Neville's haircut, which has gone on to fascinate many people at the WSL. So there was also a rather iconic Beth England goal, so maybe more of that this time round. Um, but we'll be back to review that game when we get going. Fortunately, it's quite a short international break. So thank you, Abdullah and Nick, for joining me today to answer everyone's thank questions. It's awesome. You had fun. It's very, very fun. Great. Awesome. So we'll be back to talk to all you guys soon. Uh, until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Ooh.